Thank God, our God, the God that Genesis writes about, is a God of new beginnings. So, take a deep breath, because that is God's gift, God's spirit to you. And let go of yesterday. I'll say more about that as we talk in these few moments. And, and embrace this day. Lift up your heart. And we'll find God together. And I want to talk to you for a few moments today about shame. So, um, if you don't wrestle with shame, if you have no problems being weighed down by shame, you can turn the camera off right now. Actually, you can turn the phone off. I got the camera on. I kind of had a feeling that you would still be here. I used to think that I really didn't have a problem with shame. I thought that shame was kind of more for those poor losers, losers who have uh, bad self-esteem. But I have discovered that I carry shame around in really deep ways. And actually always have, in a sense, I was just too ashamed to admit that I have shame or even to be aware of it or let myself be aware of it. And then going through a season in life where there was such a sense of public exposure because shame often involves this sense of being exposed and everybody was able to see both what is or what might be wrong with me and what other people would feel like was wrong in me, including people very close to me in ways where I'm not always even sure myself exactly what is true, where have I been wrong, and um, where have I not, and then knowing other areas where as a person, as a friend, as a dad, I was so much that I was different, and yet I can't wave a wand and make myself different. I carry shame in my body in much deeper ways than I ever had any idea, so my hope for these few moments together today is that God would bring healing from shame. In the end of Genesis chapter 2, before the fall, we're told that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And that sense of being deeply exposed, being fully known without anything covered up, and yet having the kind of lightness, because shame, loose Meads used to say, is a very heavy feeling. One of the most helpful people in uh, understanding what shame involves is Eleanor Stump. And she writes about how guilt and shame actually correspond to two dimensions of love. She says, love involves both willing the good for the other person. If I love you, I want you to be healthy. I want you to learn and grow. I want you to have friends. But it also involves a will to union. If I love you, I want to be connected with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And, and she says, um, when we experience guilt, then I'm afraid because I have done something wrong to you that you do not will my good and that you're angry at me and that you want to punish me. But she says, when I experience shame, that corresponds to the second dimension of love I'm afraid there is something unwantable, unlovable about me and that you do not want to be in union with me. Guilt, she says, can be healed as I confess and make atonement and am forgiven. Shame cannot be forgiven. Shame, in a sense, is a more difficult condition with which to deal. Because in shame, I am afraid of being rejected, of being unwanted. She writes about how shame is 
closely connected with the notion of ugliness. Um, I feel like there is something about me that would make you not want to be in relationship with me. I'm afraid that you are going to want to reject me. A remarkable case of shame and uh, courage and healing is with a man, uh, Joseph Merrick. He was known as the Elephant Man. You might have seen that movie. And he's somebody whose physical ugliness, whose appearance, because he is so deformed, caused people to shrink from him, to not want him to be around, to want to reject him, to want him to be hidden, abandoned, isolated. It's very interesting with um, Adam after the fall, shame is so powerful that uh, when God comes and Adam isn't there and God asks, where are you? We'll look at this more later. Adam's response is, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. He doesn't say I was afraid because I had disobeyed, although he had. He doesn't say I was afraid because I'd eaten the fruit, although he did. I was afraid because I was naked. This is now shame that overpowers him, triggered by what he had done wrong, but a deep shame that causes him to want to hide. And shame always says that to us. And that's part of why, although shame is a good thing, it's good um, to be capable of shame. It's a signal that something is wrong. If a person is shameless, and we have some of those people in our days, um, that's not a good thing to be shameless. But it's very hard to respond to shame in a productive and fruitful and God-connecting way. Instead, what we usually tend to do is we just want to hide because we don't want to face up to the pain of shame. Remarkable thing about Joseph Merrick was that although uh, the world, you know, for the most part wanted to reject him, there was within him a beauty of spirit and of courage. I am a human being. So that people who came to know him realized that uh, he was a deeply beautiful human being. And part of what Joseph Merrick did was he refused to accept the standards by which other people would judge him as shameworthy. He refused to accept um, social standards of physical beauty as the ultimate measure of his worth as a person. He scorned the shame. And now that brings us to Jesus. We are weighed down by shame. There's guilt in us that can be forgiven but shame needs to be healed, and it can only be healed as we are accepted and our life is somehow celebrated. And so Jesus went to the cross. It's interesting. There's just this association with shame in the body. I feel the shame in my body. I feel the heaviness of it in the stomach. I feel the heat of it in my face. Um, when Jesus went to the cross, usually if you see a picture of that or you see a crucifix, you'll see the image of Jesus' body, and there will be a, a little loincloth covering his private parts. Almost certainly, historically, that is not accurate. The Romans designed crucifixion uh, not simply to be a means of execution, but also a means of humiliation, a means to deeply shame the person who was crucified, to discourage anybody from following the kind of thing that they did. And so it was their custom to crucify people naked. And in Israel, for a Jewish person 
to be displayed publicly naked on a cross would be unspeakably shameful. And somehow, in that moment, he was bearing our shame, carrying it on that cross deliberately to vanquish it. So, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the pioneer of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, scorning its shame. You all think, Romans and mobs and religious leaders, you all think that you have shamed me on this cross, but you are wrong. This is the defeat of shame. This is the cleansing of shame. This is the healing of shame. On the cross, in his nakedness, Jesus bore our shame so that we could be liberated. So the word in the New Testament that's kind of the opposite, I think, of shame, the Greek word is parousia, boldness, confidence, with with boldness, with confidence, let us enter into that most holy place. Let us come out of hiding back into the garden. Oh, Father, oh, God, you love me. You know me. That's how our shame gets healed. So take a moment today. You can close your eyes if this would be helpful to you, as long as you're not driving. Take a deep breath and then allow to come to mind whatever could weigh you down with God-avoiding, life-avoiding, heartbreaking shame. Maybe it's your appearance. We talk a lot about body shaming in our day. We carry shame in our body. Maybe it's a failure. Maybe it's a sense of how the work in your life has turned out. Maybe it's something terrible that has happened in your family. Maybe it's some really bad choices that you have made. And now just name them before God and realize that when Jesus was hanging, exposed, Naked on a cross, he was scorning the shame. He was saying through his body now that is no longer able to prevent you from coming to God. God, your heavenly Father, and Jesus, our good friend, wants to be in union with you. He doesn't just want good things for you. And ultimately, um, in eternity, they will be available in ways beyond our wildest dreams. But he doesn't just want that. He wants to be your friend. He wants to embrace you, hold you like his child, walk side by side with you as his dear brother or sister. Not shame, not shame, not today, not shame, healed, freed, loved, accepted, wanted. End of teaching beginning of your day with your friend God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. 
you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.